This morning, the title of our our message is Grace Through Purpose. Grace Through Purpose, as we continue our way through this sermon series entitled Season of Grace. We've had an opportunity to have this extended Advent series. Again, I hope your hearts have been stirred, encouraged, challenged, as again, we've just been able to, to just pause a little bit and slow down a bit as we consider the personal work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I've used that analogy as the gospel being a diamond. And every week, there's just a little bit of a new facet that we get to see considering Jesus Christ. And uh, my hope and my prayer this morning is that that will be uh, the same as well. But we're going to focus in on Jesus as Savior this morning. As we have each week, we've anchored not only our title Uh, of our message, but also a a name, an aspect of Jesus to really work our way through the beauty and the majesty of the gospel during this this Christmas season. If you remember with me just last week, Pastor Andy reminded us of the significance of the humility and the humanity of Jesus Christ. And in this miraculous union of, of God and man, we saw this beautiful nuance of the gospel unfold as we considered Jesus taking on flesh, this incarnation, and and we talked about what does that mean for us? What is the impact of those realities of Jesus taking on humanity, being truly the God-man, 100% God, but also, yes, 100% man? See, without the incarnation of Jesus, without the humility and humanity of Jesus, we would not have the hope of a Savior that we're going to look at this morning. As we've learned throughout this series, because of our disobedience and rebellion against God's will and ways, because of the weighty burden of God's law, we as mankind, we are in need of saving. Amen? We don't have it figured out. We don't have the answers. We don't have the key to our salvation. In this divine intervention, there was only one way and one man that could truly stand in this gap, perfectly representing both sides. That was the man, Christ Jesus. So it's here as we linger. I hope you won't grow tired of me using that word because I think it's important and it's intentional. In this Western culture, in this American society that we live in that is just go, go, go. It is pedal down 100 miles an hour during this Christmas season, bouncing from one gathering to the next, trying to keep up with all the demands that our American culture has upon us in this Christmas season. Do you feel that burden? Are you fighting against it? Oh, that we would this morning truly just be still and know. Is God. And remember all that God has given us in Christ Jesus. So, as we consider the personal work of Jesus this morning, we will see grace through purpose. And our hope and our prayers that in our heart and our own lives individually and, and corporately as a body of Christ, that we will affirm Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord this morning. It's interesting as you consider this word Savior, the world that we live in is in somewhat of a conflicted state. 
when it comes to this idea of a savior. We love, as Americans, our independence. We love our autonomy. And as such, it carries with it somewhat of a, an American spirit, a pioneering spirit, lone ranger type of mentality. I need no one. I need nothing from anyone. I have all the answers. The world around us would uphold the idea that, again, we don't need help. I am the center of my own universe. And in my own wisdom and understanding, I make my own truth. And thus, I have become my own savior. Have you heard or seen or or felt that type of mentality as you interact with those in this world? That said, the world is also completely enamored with this idea of being saved. Whether it's a group of Avengers that have come into the world to save us from the villains. Or maybe it's the promise of a student loan bailout from the federal government. Or maybe it's the idea of protecting democracy in a, in a foreign land as a sovereign nation is threatened by the ambitions of another. These are the three use cases that came to mind. The world that we live in loves the idea of a Savior. No matter where you fall on those positions, no matter what your personal opinion may be, can we not see the irony behind it all in this world we live? We're living in the height of knowledge and, and access and, and progress, yet the world around us longs for a hero. We pack the box office as we yearn for someone to break through and save the world from its imminent doom as the plots year after year unfold. Mankind celebrates the idea of salvation, yet it continues in on its endless pursuit of personal autonomy and self-righteous ideologies. So again, this morning, our hope and prayer is that we would recognize Jesus and respond rightly to Him as Savior and Lord. And maybe as we have interacted with this world and we've lived in this world, maybe that mindset of independence and maybe a false idea of salvation and being saved, maybe that has found its way into your heart and into your life. Maybe as we gaze again, fresh and anew in the personal work of Jesus, the Lord would do a work in recalibrating our mind towards Jesus as Savior from a biblical perspective. So the big idea of our text this morning is this. God's redemptive plan of salvation for mankind is perfectly fulfilled in the personal work of Jesus. Simple to the point this morning in our big idea. We're simply affirming that God's redemptive plan of salvation for mankind, it is perfectly and solely fulfilled in the personal work of Jesus. So this morning we're going to examine three aspects of the ministry of Jesus that establish Jesus rightly as the Savior. First, we're going to look at Jesus is Savior of the world because of who He is. Second, because of why He came. And third, because of what He has 
down. Let's unpack our first point. Jesus is Savior of the world because one, because of who He is. Because of who He is. And this is really wrapped up in His name. It's, it's interesting in our Western culture, we've wandered away from the tradition and significance of one's name. Do you, do you understand where I'm going with this, right? Parents of, of our contemporary society, we might be more concerned about passing on a name, but we're not as concerned about the meaning of that name. On biblical times, names were everything. The meaning of your name or the name itself oftentimes would determine your position and status in society. It would determine your career progression and many other aspects of one's life. So as we consider Jesus as the Savior, we must start with His name. This takes us back to our public scripture reading this morning from Matthew chapter number 1. I'm not going to read through that narrative uh, once again, but in that text, you'll remember with me, we saw an angel of the Lord appearing to Joseph as he wrestled with the circumstances of his betrothed wife, Mary, being pregnant. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Those are troubling, troubling circumstances that he's wrestling with. It's here that the angel validates Mary's testimony to Joseph and instructs Joseph to put away his fear, to go ahead and take Mary to be his wife. This angel will go on and verify that the child Mary is carrying is indeed miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit. And it's here that Joseph is given instruction by the angel to do what? When the child is born, you will name him Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. You will name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. The Greek name for Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus. This name is actually a transliteration of the the Hebrew name that actually comes from Joshua. It literally means Yahweh is salvation or the Lord saves. Joseph was a Jew. You know this? And as soon as the angel would have instructed him to name the Son, the promised Messiah, to name Him Jesus, he would have understood the meaning of this name. Yahweh is salvation. The Lord saves. This is the meaning of the name Jesus. So as we consider Jesus as Savior, He is Savior. Why? Because of who He is. God. Yahweh is salvation. The Lord saves. The Lord saving His people. So you can just imagine the anticipation. Decades and centuries have, have unfolded. They have uh, pursued and looked for and be eagerly awaiting this promised and prophesied Messiah. And here Joseph, a simple carpenter, and Mary, a teenager, 
betrothed to be married, they are to welcome into this world the Son of God. Jesus, the Lord, Savior. Yahweh is salvation. Why? Why name him Jesus? Because he will save his people from their sins. You see, from the earliest stages of this divine intervention, it was clear. There was a purpose that was declared. There was an identity that was established. This is God. This is Messiah. This is the Lamb of God. This is the Redeemer. This is the Savior of the world. And He, this baby that is to be born, will save His people, not from the tyranny of a Roman Empire, not to establish an earthly kingdom, but He sets His terms clearly. From the earliest stages of the declaration of this Messiah coming on the scene, He is to be named Jesus. Why? Because He will save His people. But how will He save them? He will save them from their sins. The Lord saving His people, again, it would no longer be an anticipated prophecy. But now, in this moment, it would soon be a fulfilled promise. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, would come and perfectly provide all that was needed and all that was required to save His people from their sins. But only because of who He is. There is grace through purpose this morning because Jesus came to this world with purpose. And that is, the first, and that is first revealed in the giving of His name. Jesus is Savior of the world because of who He is. Second, Jesus is Savior of the world because of why He came. Jesus came as Savior because we were in need of saving. We've, we've established this throughout this Advent series as we looked at grace through disobedience and grace through law. We've seen the failure of mankind. We've seen Adam and Eve in the garden introducing sin into this world because they rebelled against God's plan and ways. We've seen the, the, the weight of the law, the burden of that law that we could never fulfill, that Jesus took on Himself. As Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill that law. We are in need of saving. I'm not going to unpack all of that once again. But during this Advent series, Scripture has been crystal clear about why Jesus came. The question remains for us even today, will we take Jesus, the Savior of the world, at His word as He declares His purpose for coming? Or will we settle for something less than what Jesus intended? I've collected a number of Scriptures here at this stage of the, the sermon that I would like simply to read as God's inspired and inerrant word that simply declare over and over again with different nuances and different aspects a purpose of why Jesus came. Jesus did not hide. He did not confuse the purpose of why He came. So I want the, the weight and the testimony of Scripture simply to speak for itself. And we'll 
We'll certainly make some additional comments as we work our way through. Uh, but I'm going to read through this sequence of Scripture, and I, I hope that as you just allow the inspired Word of God to be heard and to receive, I pray that the richness and the beauty of why Jesus came will continue to unfold as we work our way through this section. We're going to start with Luke chapter number 19, verse number 10. Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 1 Timothy 1.15 Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. John chapter number 3 verses 16 and 17 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge or condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. John 18, verse number 37, Jesus answered, For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Mark chapter number 10, verse number 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Luke chapter number 5, verses 31 and 32, Jesus said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have come to, I have not come, excuse me, to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. John 10, verse number 10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. John chapter number 3, I'm going to read verse 17 again and continue on to verse number 18. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. 1 John 3, verse number 8, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Romans chapter number 15, verses number 8 and 9. Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for His mercy. Why, friends, did Jesus come this earth? Why did He take on flesh? Why was He born of a Virgin Mary in that miraculous conception? Why? For what purpose? There are many reasons, but ultimately Jesus came to provide a ransom for those in bondage to sin. He came to call sinners to repentance. He came to offer the dead new life in His name. He came to be condemned so that those He would save would be free from it. He came to seek out the lost, give sight to the blind, and ultimately to save sinners just as the angel declared to Joseph in Matthew chapter number 1. He came not on some ambiguous terms, but He came on a mission from the Father, and He perfectly fulfilled that purpose as Redeemer and as the Lamb of God, and certainly as the Savior of the world. So Jesus 
is the Savior of the world because of who He is, because of why He came. And our third and final point this morning is Jesus is Savior of the world because of what He has done. Because of what He has done. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 5, beginning of verse number 6. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for us. Are you thankful that Jesus stood in that gap? Are you thankful for Jesus being that, that mediator between God and man? Jesus is Savior of the world because of what He has done. That ransom that He provided on our behalf. It was adequate. It met the demands of what was required. It was freedom that was secured. There was a new identity that was purchased. And this is what Jesus has done for us. Romans chapter number 5, verses number 10 and 11. For if while we were enemies, excuse me, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. I opened up, I alluded to our Advent series, Gifts of Grace. There's been some wonderfully rich, somewhat challenging theological terms as we've been reminded of, of all the meaning and significance that is for us in our lives through Jesus Christ. We've seen the gifts unfold day after day of hope, faith, peace, reconciliation, justification, expiation, propitiation. Today, you'll, you'll read about imputation. And we'll continue to work our way through as we see these beautiful facets of that diamond of the gospel unfold. That Jesus provides all of these things because of what He has done in taking on flesh. Living a perfect life in our humanity. And going to a cross and shedding His blood. He's made a way. He has done that so as we remember that Jesus came and lived that perfect life, went to the cross, fulfilled all the requirements, as the perfect Lamb of God, this all culminated, if you remember that crucifixion scene, on the cross, Jesus crying out. He is taking on the wrath of God to pay for our sin. As his blood is being shed, as, as the shame and the guilt and the torment of our sin is fully on his life, what did Jesus cry out in the, in the culmination of that crucifixion scene? He cried out to Telestai, It is finished. Jesus is Savior because of what he has done, what was done, and what was finished on the cross. The payment for my sin was made. Jesus stood in my place. He stood in your place, taking on the wrath of God that I rightly deserved. 
The ransom was made and sinners can now be reconciled back to God through Jesus. And friends, as we have learned theologically through this Advent season, the penalty of the sin has been once and for all paid in full. That sin is removed as far as the east is from the west. Can we say amen to that? This is what Jesus has done, friends. This is the, this is the season of grace. This is the grace that we have to the purpose of Jesus Christ coming during the season of Advent. So what did this accomplish? Provided a means, not only for our justification, to be reconciled to God, to be in a right standing before a holy God because of Jesus' righteousness being imparted on our behalf, not just justification, but because of what Jesus did, it provided a means for our sanctification. To truly be realized this side of eternity. See, I, I get, Eric, these are, those are beautiful truths that, that I will eternally celebrate as I am fully justified. But what does that mean for me today as I wrestle with sin, as I wrestle with the struggle of, within a broken world, as, as I'm battling through maybe a challenging dynamic in my marriage, or I'm, I'm, I'm having a doubts because of physical, mental health trials, financial difficulties, whatever. What is, what's all this mean for me today? Well, friends, Jesus as the Savior of the world provides a means for our sanctification, our growth in the Lord to become like the one who has saved us. It allows that to become a reality. I can live for God. I can walk in holiness. I can say by God's grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit, no to my flesh and yes to God. I can't have victory over that besetting sin. I can not only have reconciliation between God, but I can have reconciliation between man. That broken relationship, that struggling relationship that you think is too far gone. God can meet us there in that moment. And the eternal victory that God secured through Jesus Christ allows us to walk in victory today. The healing for our eternal souls cries out and reminds us that we can experience healing for our eternal bodies and our, our eternal, our, excuse me, our earthly relationships now, in this moment. So friends, this aren't some pie in the sky theological terms that mean nothing for us today. What did it accomplish? It allows us to walk in a progressive state of sanctification, being set apart from the world to God. What else did it accomplish? What else does it mean for us today? It means this, that death is no longer our keeper. For the mission of Jesus didn't end on a cross he went to the grave. He rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures of victory that death once had was snatched away. And the victory that Christ secured over death and over the grave is now ours in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus rose again, we too will rise again because Jesus secured victory over sin by God's grace again through His Spirit. We too can have victory over sin. 
The tables have eternally been turned. And because of the Savior, we have hope, not just for eternity, but we have hope to face tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. And we hope in this reality that He that has begun that good work, He will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. At the day of Jesus Christ, the second advent of Jesus. Oh, do you long for that day? Just as the Jews longed for their long-awaited-for Messiah to be seen in their day and their time, we have the pleasure and the joy to look back and see that realized, fully fulfilled, those promises given by God to His people, not just for the Jews, but for us as Gentiles as well. That hope that they had is the same hope that we have as we long to see that good work be completed. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 17. And beyond, therefore, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Did you get that? Anyone in, in Christ is a new creation? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him, we might become the righteousness of God. This is grace through purpose. Jesus is the Savior of the world because of what He has done. Grace through purpose and affirming Jesus as Savior and Lord, it should call us to live with purpose. During Advent, what are we doing? We're reflecting back again on the anticipation of the coming of Jesus. And in this spirit of anticipation, we carry on that spirit as we anticipate His second coming. And until then, we we walk and we live in the grace that He has given us through the power of His Holy Spirit. And we are His ambassadors. God making His appeal through us be reconciled to God. This is what the Advent season should call us to remember. That as Jesus came with purpose, He is calling us to walk with purpose and to live with purpose. Pursue that great commission living as we are going to make disciples. You ready to declare that Jesus has come? Are you ready to, to call the world to repent and believe the gospel? Friends, I hope this morning that we haven't forgotten the simplicity of the Advent. 
That Jesus came with the purpose. That he is savior of the world. And that his purpose is actually our purpose. As we consider this redemptive plan. As we consider the big idea of this entire message. That God's redemptive plan of salvation for mankind is perfectly fulfilled in the personal work of Jesus. This is the gift the present that Pastor Andy was talking about during our time of worship. Friends, what are we to do with this gift? What has your response been to this gift? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is why Friends, I wonder what we're doing with that gift. There's no manipulation. There's no guilt trip here. This is what God wants us to hear. He wants us to be His ambassadors. This is what He has called us to be as Christ followers. I pray that we'll steward that opportunity well. I pray that God would be glorified in our feeble attempts that by His grace we would walk in obedience to these realities. Would you join me in prayer as we close our service? Father, we thank You again this morning for these again I can't get away from it these beautiful facets of the gospel every week just remembering who you are looking back I'm sure for many of us on familiar passages of scripture familiar points but oh God that these truths of the gospel would never become commonplace or too familiar I pray that the beauty and the majesty and the wonder of the gospel would ring true in our heart and our life. Every moment of every day. And I pray that when the things of this world or the cares of this world begin to choke that out, Father, I pray that we, as the body of Christ, would, would stir each other up towards love and good works, remembering that we are your ambassadors, that you have called us to be ministers of reconciliation, that you have chosen in your sovereignty and in your perfect redemptive plan to make your appeal through us be reconciled to God. What an incredible, incredible privilege that is. We thank you and praise you for all these things. We pray in Jesus' name.